Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a special edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be giving my top 10 films of 2022. It's been a crazy year for film. There's been some surprise films, some surprise indie, some big blockbusters. And it all, I try to whittle it down from 96 films that I saw this year to 10 films plus some honorable mentions that I got to see this year. It was a list that it took a little bit of time to kind of whittle it all down. I got to about 20 films that I was I had kind of locked in, knew what my top 20 was, then to kind of whittle it down to the 10 and the few mentions was, it took it took a couple of days to actually do that. So I finally kind of solidified it. I have my top 10 locked in, and so I'm going to be giving it here on the podcast. And again, just to kind of give a, a shout out again to all these amazing films, there's, I think, a great mix for 2022 this year. And I think if there was a definition, it was basically, I think, a revival of sorts for some of these movies and I think especially when you look at the pandemic and the last couple of years where really it's been comic book movies that have kind of been holding up the the theater industry and movie going and nobody thought if some films could hold up as better as others could maybe there was a line of films that could no longer be financially viable or that nobody would go see those movies ever again and I feel like 2022 and the films that came out really kind of proved a lot of that wrong I think it delivered on some films that you never thought would be as big as they actually were. I think films that were long-standing sequels to some films that you didn't think you needed a sequel for, and they turned out to be some of the best of the year. Some great original films, some really good streaming films that I think you wish would have been seen in theaters, but overall, I think there was a great plethora of movies out there for everyone to go and check out. So again, without further ado, I'm going to be getting into my top films of 2022. So to go through some of the honorable mentions real quick, again, I had a top 20, and these were some of the few that I I wanted to put into the top 10, but it just couldn't beat out some of the other films that I wanted to put in there. So I wanted to give them at least a shout out for the films that I saw of this year. So to start it all off, Bodies, 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 which was from A24 this year. I really enjoyed that film. It was a fun time, a fun, cool social satire slasher film that kind of delivered twists and turns that I didn't expect. I thought it had a great cast, so that was one that I wanted to give a shout out to. One that I recently saw a couple of weeks ago to get ready for this and to also kind of keep up my award season watching was, excuse me, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Del Toro is one of the best directors in the game today. He always delivers passionate projects, and you see that time and time again, and that is, once again, evident in his version of Pinocchio after getting a kind of tacky version earlier in the year with the Disney Plus one from Robert Zemeckis. This one really kind of showcases keeping true to the story of Pinocchio, but also delivering on something new and different, especially when you go into the realm of stop motion animation. I thought he delivered an amazing film and it was one of the ones I wanted to give out a shout out to. Another one is Boslerman's Elvis, which I really enjoyed when it came out during the summer movie season. Austin Butler really became a superstar with that performance that he gave as Elvis Presley. I thought Baz did a really good job as a director. I thought his style blended really well in telling this biopic. 
even though it was a long film, I felt like the pace really kind of kept it going. There was a really good energy to the movie. Another one that I really enjoyed was Fallout, which actually came out very early in the year and really kind of turned my attention to Jenna Ortega. And I during that time span, I saw Scream and then the Fallout in a matter of days. And it really was kind of a prelude to what we now see as kind of Jenna Ortega becoming this superstar, especially after her performance and Wednesday about a month ago on Netflix. And I really enjoyed her performance in the film, but I also enjoyed Maddie Ziegler. I thought this was a great directorial debut for Megan Park, who also wrote the film. I think it's a great kind of coming-of-age movie, especially for the Gen Z audience and, and the kind of the, the modern-day young adult audience right now, dealing with subjects such as school shootings and, and trauma and just, just relationships and trying to find your way throughout life as a young adult when you deal with a tragedy like that and I think the two performances there the direction it was, it was again a small indie but one that I really thought did a great job of kind of kicking off my 2022 so I wanted to give that one an honorable mention as well also what came out at the tail end of 2022 with or the summer of 2022 I should say with Prey which was a film that was on a streaming with Hulu, but I wish I saw it in the theater because it was such a fun addition to the Predator franchise. I think it kind of gave it a breath of fresh air, kind of going back to basics, but also doing something completely different where you really try kind of shine a spotlight on the Comanche tribe and their heritage and their history. And I think kind of going with this kind of old grain of new technology that the Predator has and the the old ways where you just have bones and bows and arrows and no no guns of really of any kind and to kind of see that formulation was really interesting and I thought the characters even though it was an hour and 30 minutes maybe or a little bit more of a runtime I thought the, I thought they did a really good job of introducing these new characters and making you feel for them so once results did start happening people started perishing you felt for the losses and you felt for this young girl and the journey that she was going on in this film so I thought it was a great job of going back to what made that first predator film in the 80s with Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers, such an iconic film. I think Daniel Trackenberg did a great job of kind of bringing that magic back once again with that movie. And then another film that I want to give a shout out to is, and it's the last one of my honorable mentions, is Ambulance. And I think that's going to surprise a bunch of people that it's on here, but I'm a, I'm a Michael Bay fan. I really do like a lot of his movies notwithstanding the last couple of Transformers films, I think when he's able to do just straight up action films, he delivers on them and he delivers a fun, amazing time. And when I saw this in theaters, that's exactly what I got. I loved the frenetic energy of it. I loved the cast. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal and Yaya Abdul-Mateen II had incredible chemistry. I'm a big fan of Ethan Gonzalez, so to see her kind of get a spotlight in this film as kind of the third lead was really cool to see. And the action was, was really well done. It got back to Michael Bay basics as a action director and so I really enjoyed it and dug it and wanted to give it a shout out on this list so those were the honorable mentions again bodies 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 Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio Elvis the fallout prey and then ambulance and again some of those films were ones that I was on the verge of putting them in my top 10 but just couldn't beat out the films that made it on the eventual list so to start with my top 10 now i'm going to go again from 10 to 1 and i'm going to kick it all off with my number 10 film of 2022 father remember for whom you shed your last teardrop i 
The Northman kicks off the list for me, and this is a film that was directed by Robert Eggers. It stars Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, Bjork, and Willem Dafoe. And this was a film that was on my list for most anticipated of 2022. I'm a big fan of, of Robert Eggers. I think he delivers unique, interesting experiences when you go see them in in the movie theater. I think he delivered that with The Witch, and I think he delivered a great job a few years ago with The Lighthouse. And so I was very interested to see what he was going to do with this kind of Viking tale and seeing the previews that had his kind of distinct artistic feel. And it felt like a very much simpler film of his that, that we're used to seeing. I think if you were to talk about films of his and his filmography right now, this is probably the most streamlined movie that he's ever done that I think audiences can watch it and digest it and not come away feeling weird or feel like it's completely out there. It definitely still has some of those elements that are Robert Egger signatures, but it tells a a very basic story of a boy who becomes a man who wants to take revenge on the person who killed his father and reclaim his rightful place in as the kind of the king or the top of his clan and it's a very interesting tale I think it takes actually some very interesting twists and turns that I didn't expect I love the cast in this one I think this is a great showcase for Alexander Skarsgård who delivers on just being this brutal Viking who just it will do nothing to get revenge and I think the music in this was incredible. Again, I'm a big fan of Anya Taylor-Joy, and I really like what she did in this film as a supporting player. So I really enjoy this film, especially seen in theaters. I saw it on the Dolby Cinema and at an AMC, and especially that last that last scene where it's against these two guys on a volcano. It was just incredible. The visuals, the sound was blaring. It was a great theatrical experience that I had and I think it delivered on my expectations for the film and I knew that I, I wanted to put this on my top 10. I had it there for most of the year. Didn't know where I was going to put it and it ends up as my number 10 film of 2022. Now to move on to my ni- my number 9 film on this list. So much trouble, Manny. We have to leave now. What I do means something. You thought this town needed you. It's bigger than you. It's the most magical place in the world. Number nine goes to Babylon, which is written and directed by Damien Chazelle, who's made films such as La La Land, First Man, and Whiplash, and it stars an A-list cast that includes Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Diego Calva, who gets his first major film debut in this movie, and Gene Smart. And this was a film that I was very much looking forward to. I knew I was going to try to cram it in before making my top 10 list. And I wanted to see this before even making or starting this list because I I had a suspicion that this could potentially creep into the top 10. I Again, I'm a big fan of La La Land. That was one of my favorites when it came out in 2016. I enjoyed First Man. Didn't think it was his best, but on a technical level, I think he did a great job with it. This, to me, got back to the roots of what I loved about Damien Chazelle, in which this is basically a three-plus-hour film telling this 
this epic tale through old Hollywood as it transitioned from the silent film era to the talkies. And when watching this movie, it very much reminded me of another film that came out years ago, about a decade, a decade plus ago with the artist. And that was very much kind of more about one man's journey from being this big silent film star to switching over to the talkies. This was much more, Babylon was much more about the, the industry as a whole and the transition that they made. And every this film has been getting a lot of divisive remarks and I lean very much more on the positive side of this. I am somebody who really enjoys tales about Hollywood. One of my favorite shows of 2022 was The Offer on Paramount Plus, which basically told the story of the making of The Godfather. So whenever we get films like this, I just love watching them and then kind of going back and researching what was real and what wasn't. And Babylon is very much a... It is a bacchanal. It is. It has all these crazy things going on throughout it. And when watching it, I was wondering, is this is what he's doing worth it or is it just there to be there? And I think as you watch the movie, everything in it has some kind of, of purpose. I think the beginning of the film for as as crazy as it is, I think when, as you keep watching the film and where it goes, it has its reasonings for what they're trying to do with this film. And I think it, it, it really gives a, a really interesting insight into the, the transition and that I think whenever film majors and, and when we talk about film history, the switches from silent to, to talkies, as great as a transition as it was, and it led to really what we know cinema to be today with sound, within the industry, it was, it was a very hard transition for people that were already working because for actors, they were going from switching things up from mannerisms and not talking to talking. And for some people, it worked. For some people, it didn't. And I think it does a great job in focusing on the actors, the 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 producers, and really again the industry and what they were able to do. I think when talking about the the technical aspects of this film, I think visually it looks stunning and gorgeous. I think the score in this film by Justin Hurwitz is once again immaculate. He and Chazelle just have this great rapport together, and it works once again. The cast in this one is incredible. I think Margot Robbie has been getting a lot of the shine, and as she she should as Nelly Leroy. She is absolutely amazing. She's kind of the linchpin for seeing this journey as it's going along and she's one of the people that is affected by it and just seeing this confident woman spiral out as the film continues is it's just fascinating and the performance she gives it is amazing. Diego Calva is also somebody who, again, you're not going to know the name, but once you see this film, hopefully this is the beginning of him getting more roles as well. And then honestly another person I really, really enjoyed in this film and I felt for the most for the character was Brad Pitt and I thought he delivered an amazing performance I don't think he's gonna get a lot of acting acting accolades for this turn like he did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood but I really enjoyed him in this film and the journey that his character goes on as well so overall I really really love this movie it, it, it again as it showcases beyond number nine on my list it is one of my favorites of this year and I think Chazelle once again delivered on this tale could it have been cut down a little bit sure but I think given what he he wanted to do and the vision that he had I think he utilized the most of it and and went on a really really 
interesting introspective journey in this interesting and important time in the filmmaking industry's history. And I think he did a great job in utilizing that. So Babylon ends up number nine on my list. Now to transition over to number eight. What's happening? husband. I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, so tight to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil many verses. Everything Everywhere All at Once is my number eight film of 2022. And I think this is going to surprise a lot of people because I know when looking at a lot of other top 10 lists of this year, Everything Everywhere All at Once is very much up there in the top five, top three, even people's favorite of the year. And again, it's not to say that I don't think this film is bad. I don't think it's good. I think it's amazing. And it is ending up on my top 10 of the year. I just think the seven other films that are above this one, I just enjoyed a lot more and would go back to watching again before going to going back to everything everywhere all at once but it is still when watching it in an absolutely amazing film and i think it's it's a a movie when you when you talk about a film that shouldn't work but does this movie should be the one that is example a of that definition of that slogan of working when it shouldn't actually be doing it because there's so much that actually happens in this film that shouldn't work and it's very much a story of the multiverse and, and all these different crazy kooky things that are happening. But at the center of it all, it is about this family trying to connect with one another, trying to understand each other and and reconnect and, and love each other again. And the, the multiverse and all these different areas are utilized to drive that narrative forward. And to me, what's fascinating is when you have these kinds of movies, it's the emotional core that keeps you in it. And it is, it's amazing what they were able to do with this film on the budget that they were able to do it for. The action sequences are awesome. The visuals are impeccable. And you feel like you're in this film, even for the two and a half hours that you're going on this journey. None of it feels old. It feels fresh and new. And again, it's very hard to get these kinds of films made. And the fact that this film was made, but also that people went out to go see the film. It is the highest grossing A24 film in the history of the company. And I think it says something about audience members where if you deliver on something new and original and the word of mouth is good on it, people will go out and see the movie. And I think that is exactly what Everything Everywhere was able to do, especially in this time right now where people don't know if indie films are profitable anymore in theaters. This film was one that really kind of kept the lights going and kept it propped up and was used as that kind of linchpin example of saying, well, if we make these films and they hit, people will go out and and see them. And when you look at the Daniels and what they were able to do as the writers and directors, I, I, I don't even know how they pulled it off. I don't know. I can't even get into their minds of what they think in their creative process, but it is a, a treat to see some of that displayed on the screen. The cast is absolutely incredible. Again, Michelle Yeoh, who was already a big star, but I think she became even more of a household name after this film. St- Stephanie 
Minshew, who was also a great introduction in this film, and hopefully we'll get more roles and become a bigger name as time goes on. But to me, the big star of this film, and the one that could very well go on to be an Academy Award winner from his performance in this movie, is Kihue Kwan, who returns after years in purgatory and just not making films wanted, didn't know if, if any films would come his way, and then he decided to do this film. It felt right for him. And he's back on the map better than ever. And I knew who Short Round and Data were, but I never knew who the actor's name was. And I was I was ashamed to think to think that I didn't know who it was. And then when I saw everything everywhere all at once, I was like, that guy looks like the guy who was 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 Short Round and Data. Is that the same guy? And then I looked it up and lo and behold, it was. And now I know who Kikwe Kwan is. And I think a lot of people will know that name moving forward. This entire cast is amazing. Also a shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis, who I think delivers a very unique performance that we haven't seen her do in her filmography and it's a very expansive filmography and a a great resume so to see her be in this to see everyone kind of be bought into what was going on and deliver on what they were able to do is astounding i really enjoy this film i highly recommend it to people to check out if you just want originality in films again it doesn't get more original than everything everywhere all at once and and again i know people are going to be surprised that it's this low on the list but it just couldn't beat out some of these other films that i have higher than it right now and speaking of higher on this list going from number eight to number seven on my top 10 of 2022 is movies are dreams that you never forget The lights change how everything looks. It's hard to find our house. Ours is the dark house with no lights. In this family, it's the scientists versus the artists. Sammy's on my team, takes after me. What kind of movie are we going to make? While it isn't my favorite film of 2022, like West Side Story was for me last year of 2021, the latest from Steven Spielberg still ends up on my top 10 of 2022 at number seven. And this was co-written, co-written by Spielberg alongside his longtime collaborator and Tony Kushner. And basically, this is the auto fictional autobiographical telling of Steven Spielberg's childhood and really kind of the telling the origin story of arguably the greatest filmmaker of all time. And it is, I think, an amazing film that showcases why people go to the theaters and why they love cinema and the magic of movies. And I think one of the things that's very interesting about these autobiographical films, when you look at Rome or Belfast, or even this year, when you look at films like Bardo or even Armageddon Time, which was kind of a take from James Gray's childhood, what to me what sticks out from The Fablemans is that if you were not to tell me that this was based off of Steven Spielberg's family and I just kind of went in there and just 
saw this movie about this family and this kid who loves film and, want, and be, went on to become this great director, that would have been enough for me because to me, I was already invested in the Fablemans. I really enjoyed the journey that each of these family members go on. I was invested into this family and that's a credit to Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, also Julia Butters, who is one of the sisters to Spielberg and also I think one of the great standout performances in this who plays a younger version of Spielberg in Gabriel LaBelle, who I thought killed it. Seth Rogen is in this as well. Judd Hirsch also delivers on a very memorable scene, which could very well get him an Oscar nomination as well. And it just showcased, I think, the journey that everyone kind of goes on in this movie and the relationship between a mother and a son or a father and a son and kind of showcasing the love of movies and what comes with it. And I think to kind of see knowing that it is a Spielberg kind of telling of his life just adds more intrigue to it. And I think he was able to balance the weight of telling his own story, but also telling a story of a family and and their journey. And again, I, I loved this film. Didn't love it as much as West Side Story. There was just a magic to that one that this film didn't have, but it's still one of my favorites of the year. Spielberg knocked it out of the park again. I'm very intrigued to see how this film does on the Oscar circuit. It's one of the front runners right now, but very much I enjoyed this film. I think it, it showcased not, not just the in, inner workings of Hollywood, but it more so just the love of movies and movie making and what goes into it. And I just absolutely adored this film. And it's number seven on my list. Now to transition over to my number six film of 2022, which is... Okay, 45 seconds starts now. This is what you're paying for. Get that out of my way. It's all part of the menu. It's okay. No, we're going to die today. Yes, we are. Yeah. told him it was my birthday seemed funny about three hours ago the menu is my number six film of 2022 written directed by mark malloy who is if you know the tv show succession he is somebody who's worked on that show along with working on game of thrones and this has an incredible cast that is anchored by three amazing performers in ray fines anya taylor joy and nicholas holt also in it is included is someone like a john leguizamo but this is a movie i remember seeing the trailers for back in the springtime and I was very intrigued by it and it very much is kind of a black comedy in a way but it it has tinges of horror and drama in it at the same time and watching the trailers for it I was very intrigued by it I'm a big fan again of Anya Taylor-Joy so really whatever she's in I will go see but I was intrigued by the premise where this was going and then watching the film it zigged when he thought it was going to zag it went in so many different directions and I think it was a great satire on the food culture on kind of, of of different wealths of class and and stature and I think it was all blended really well in, in, in kooky crazy moments while also still kind of balancing the line of being what it was but also taking itself seriously again the performances especially Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy were amazing and I think one of the great things was seeing the food in there which was really really cool and I thought the direction of it the writing was very 
witty, witty and, and bantery, but again, kind of kept that line going very well too. And this is one where I would want to go rewatch it over and over and over again and go back to the movies and watch it over and over and over again. I would recommend this to a lot of people. I know a lot of my friends saw this film as well. They really enjoyed it. So this is one that kind of broke out a little bit to the mainstream, not a lot, but a little bit. And I think it gravitated towards a lot of people. And I would recommend this film to a lot of people. And it really stuck with me and I enjoyed it. Didn't think it would end up on my top 10, but it does. And it ends up at number six on my list, but wasn't able to crack the top five, which goes over to the number five spot on my list, which goes to... We cannot let you bring your war here. Outcast. That's all they see. I see you. The way of water connects all things. Before your birth. And after your death. This is our home! I need you with me. And I need you to be strong. Avatar, The Way of Water, ends up on my number five spot of 2022. I can't believe this film actually came out. If you listen to my podcast, I when, when news was coming out over the years, I was like, I'm not believing it until I see a trailer. I'm not believing anything. I'm not believing this film is going to come out until I see actual footage. Earlier in the year, we finally got footage, and I was very excited to finally see this film. I am someone who loves the first Avatar film. Not just likes, but loves that movie. Movie. I'm somebody who even enjoys the story, the characters, obviously the visuals. Avatar is is a great film, and I saw that when I was a, a young kid, and I was just transfixed into the world of Pandu. I really love the characters of Jake and Tiri and, 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 and Dr. Grace Allen, who was done by Sigourney Weaver. All these characters were just ones that I really did enjoy. So over the years, again, I've been waiting for these sequels to come out, knowing that we were going to get an Avatar 2 and 3 at least, knowing that we were going to be going into the oceans of Pandora. And of course, there were a lot of questions of, can this live up? to the hype and expectations of the first film. Can it, is there going to be interest in this after 13 years? And, and there were all these questions going into it as there usually are when it comes to James Cameron films. And once again, never ever doubt the king as he truly delivered on this movie. The visuals, once again, are just top-notch. He, he and his VFX designers over at Weta and everyone else who worked on this film just delivered on not just maintaining the world of Pandora, but introducing us to new and incredible locations, especially the underwater worlds of Pandora were just absolutely incredible. And you just feel like you're there. Like this is a world that, that these are locations that they shot at where in reality, they were on a soundstage or multiple sound stages and working on this film. And so it just absolutely blew me, blew me away. But also I think what really stood out strong also was the story and the characters. And I think one of the big things was, okay, now that we're introducing kids, is it is it gonna be cheesy? Is it gonna work? But should, should we just focus on Natiri and Jake? And I think they did a great balance of showcasing the entire Sully clan as a whole, continuing the stories 
of Jake and Atiri, but also introducing us to new characters from the kids like Loak and Kiri and Took and all these new characters and Spider. And I really did enjoy seeing them. And I'm already kind of attracted to their journeys and where they're going to go from here. And I think they also did a great job of evolving the character of Courage and introducing him in a new way as an avatar and kind of of layering Corwidge, Corwidge in ways that maybe even the first film didn't really utilize. And I think what Stephen Lang was able to do was amazing. What Sigourney Weaver was able to do as a 16-year-old when she's older than that was amazing and showcases the technology and what you're able to do with, with motion capture. It's just, it was absolutely incredible. I cannot wait to go back multiple times to see this in the theater because it is truly a theatrical experience. But I think more families and more people will be able to relate to this film on the character and emotional level. I think that'll get them very excited for what's to come in Avatar 3 in a couple of years. So once again, Avatar knocks out of the park and the sequel does its job. And then speaking of sequels, that also goes in to what is going to be my number four film of two. 2022, which is Ladies and gentlemen This is it You expected The mystery Get your hand off of that You expected a puzzle But for one person on this island This is not a game. Will you explain it to us then, detective? Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery is my number four film of 2022. The first Knives Out film was on my top 10 of 2019. It was a little lower on the list than where I have Glass Onion for 2022, but I, I thoroughly love Knives Out. I've said it on the podcast where when we talk about holiday films and specifically around the Thanksgiving time, I put Knives Out on the list of films that, that you should watch during the Thanksgiving time. It has that fall festive kind of feel to it. And and Knives Out is just a fun murder mystery. And I think what Ryan Johnson was able to do with that film was, was deliver some originality to the murder mystery genre and very much deliver on what made Agatha Christie murder novels so enjoyable back in the day. And I think he, he delivered once again on new kind of detective in Benoit Blanc and then when we when we there was the announcement that we were going to get more Knives Out films from Netflix I was all for that as long as Ryan Johnson was writing and directing those films and you have Daniel Craig back but it's going to be a new new ensemble alongside of him with a new mystery and now we have it with Glass Onion and after watching it two times, I do think that it is better than the first film. And that's not to say that the first, again, Knives Out is awful. I think it just elevates and showcases that what Ryan Johnson did first, he just elevated it to an nth degree with Glass Onion and showcases that he knows the character of Benoit Blanc, but he has a confidence to him that, okay, people enjoyed the first film. Now I can I can do things a little bit different and showcase some newer elements of a murder mystery that maybe we didn't know. And I think he keeps the consistency of what made the first film great, where it's an enjoyable mystery, but also it, it dives into and connects to things that are going on today, whether it's about uh, corruption and greed, and especially dealing with kind of these, these billion-dollar entrepreneurs Norse right now and 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 wealth and influence it has all those kind of connections to it as well but still delivers on a fun interesting film 
at the same exact time. The ensemble on this one, again, I enjoy the Knives Out ensemble, but I think this this ensemble is even better. I thought Edward Norton was awesome. Same thing with Kate Hudson, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr. Janelle Monet is a standout in this film, kind of like how Ana de Armas was the big standout of the first Knives Out film. I think Janelle Monet takes that st- status in Glass Onion. She is amazing. I thought there were some great cameos, some great twists and turns that I think showcases, again, as a screenwriter for Ryan Johnson, how confident he is in this world, in his storytelling sensibilities, and being able to tell a, a, a tight-knit script and make sure that there really aren't any holes throughout the film, really. And, and I just just I was wondering when I saw it again if there were any holes, but he just leaves great breadcrumbs around that he circles back on when you see it a second time or when you go back and he reveals certain things that happen that maybe you didn't pick up on. This was a great theatrical experience. I saw it when Netflix did the first, the only weekend run or week run of it during the Thanksgiving holiday. It was such a fun time in the theaters to be around a a group of people to see that with was was great, but I think also on Netflix, you can have the same exact experience, and I think he delivers on a great script, great film, and again, I will see more and more of these as many times as Ryan Johnson wants, as long as Ryan Johnson is the one who is making them as a writer and also as a director as well. So Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, a superior sequel, knocks that out of the park, and I cannot wait to see more of those, and it ends up on number four on my list, and now the transition over to my number three film of 2022 which is a Russian capitalist and an American communist. On a $250 million luxury yacht. The ship is going under. Triangle of Sadness is my number three film of 2022. And Triangle of Sadness is an example of a movie that why I love being a moviegoer, why I love talking about movies, why I do this podcast. You always make your most anticipated list of the year, but you know when you make your most anticipated list that there's going to be films that kind of sneak up on you. You have no idea that they're coming out and they just blow you away. And Triangle of Sadness was that film for me in 2022, where I didn't even hear of this film until it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. It won the Palme d'Or. It was the best film to come out of there. won basically their Best Picture Award. And I was really looking forward to this and seeing it in October. This film was directed by Ruben Oslin. It was also written by him. It's got a really, really good cast that includes Harris Dickinson, Charlie B. Dean, Dolly, Dolly DeLeon, and also, of course, you have Woody Harrelson, who will be the big name that people recognize from that cast list. And... I was looking forward to seeing this in October, didn't know what to expect, and it was one of the best theater experiences that I had this year. I was laughing uncontrollably from not really beginning to end, but from 30 minutes on to the end, I was just laughing uncontrollably. This was 
kind of like the menu where it, it's a great comedy, a, a black comedy, but it toes the line in being a satire, but also balancing the humor with true emotions and, and a really good story throughout this movie. And I couldn't believe how good this really kind of truly turned out to be. It was, one again, one of the funniest films that I saw all, all year. It was a movie that was just truly wholly original. I think if you're somebody that likes a a film that tackles a lot of these interesting issues like wealth and power and class, kind of again, kind of like what the menu did, but kind of like in the same vein as White Lotus, this is definitely one to check out. If you're able to, to if you have a strong stomach too, especially in the middle, there are some crazy things that happen, but it's still an, an enjoyable time, one of the best films and one of the best experiences I had. And I cannot, I love going back to watch this film. I go back over and over and over again when I get a chance. And that is why it is number three on my list of 2022 films. Now to move on to my top two of 2022. So these are the final two films on the list. And before we get to number one, of course, we have to get to my number two film, which is... I'm Vengeance. The Batman is my number two film of 2022. Now, if you remember all the way back in 2022, The Batman was my number one most anticipated film of this year. I was It was the one that I was looking forward to in terms of comic book movies. I, I loved the trailers for this film. I couldn't believe how good it actually looked. And sometimes you have films that don't exceed your expectations or you have so much hype around it for yourself that... It just, it just can't live up to them, even if it, it's amazing. But this film was able to live up to every expectation that I had. It was written, directed by Matt Reeves, starred Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, Andy Serkis, John Turturro. And this, when watching this Batman film, as much as I love The Dark Knight, as much as I love the ba- Batman with Keaton, or even Ben Affleck's version, which I adore to death, this is the kind of Batman that I've always been looking for, where he is very much more of a detective kind of investigating crimes. That's what I always loved about Batman was not just that he's this kind of human character, but also the fact that, and he has this interesting rogues gallery, he has all these cool gadgets. I always loved the the, 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 the detective side of him. I always loved when he was investigating things. And even though, again, I loved the previous Batman films, we never really got that. But Matt Reeves hones in on those sensibilities in this movie, and he crafts a film that feels more like a David Fincher-style Zodiac meets Seven than what we got in a Nolan film or even a Tim Burton movie. He creates a world in Gotham City that feels lived in, and it feels like you can actually go to a place like that. Even though I wouldn't want to go to a place like that, it feels like a place that you can actually go and check out and be a part of and that's how much attention to detail that Matt Reeves has in this movie and even though it is 
almost three hours long. And sure, it could have been cut down maybe 20 minutes. I feel like they earned the right for those 20 to 30 minutes because of what they did previously, where they set up this mystery and this conflict. And within with, with the Riddler and Batman, I thought the Riddler was a great antagonist in this one. I thought Paul Dano did a great job. Colin Farrell was, was amazing. And he was able to kind of set up these very interesting antagonistic ways that Batman was able to go into these these situations and building up this mystery, building up these storylines and really kind of taking us on a, on a on a journey that was really focused on on Batman, on really Batman and Bruce Wayne the moniker was very much kind of pushed to the side in this one. I think that was a very interesting story structure and story mechanism that Matt Reeves utilized in this movie. And then speaking of Batman himself, I thought Robert Pattinson delivered incredibly as Batman. I thought he, when you look at versions of the comic books, this very much is a Batman that feels pulled from the comics in in very much every single way. I thought he just delivered a, a great Batman in every single way. Again, Paul, Paul Dana was amazing. Colin Farrell was unrecognizable as Penguin. Zoe Kravitz was amazing as, as Catwoman or, or Selena Kyle, rather. And so I, I just absolutely love this film. It, 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 the action was incredible. It delivered in every single way possible. There were, in, there were, there were peppers of horror put throughout this film. It just delivered in every single aspect. And I hope we get more of this Batman, even with all the DC restructuring that is going on right now. I hope they put this Matt Reeves universe to the side and protect it and let him do what he wants to do. I can't wait for the Penguin spinoff. I want to just see more of this universe. And I think, like I said this before, really other than maybe Spider-Man, I think Batman is well suited to have its own universe where you can branch off and do different spinoff shows or spinoff movies because the characters, there's a plethora of them, not just within the villains, but within the city, within the police department of a Commissioner Gordon or within different areas of the Batman universe. It it has it. And I think Matt Reeves is really going to utilize it very, very well. So the Batman lived up to my expectations. It lived up to being my most anticipated film of the year and it comes in at number two and the reason it isn't at number one is because my number one film of 2022 is a film that I had there for a long time after I saw it was always open for a film to knock it off however nothing was able to knock this film off in my top spot of 2022 which is Someone's not coming back from this. Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You'll never forgive yourself. No turning back now. Come on! Having any fun yet? Top Gun Maverick is my favorite film of 2022. It's directed by Joseph Kaczynski, starring Tom Cruise, Miles Teller, Glenn Powell, Jennifer Connelly, and Val Kilmer returning as Iceman. This was, if you were to tell me earlier in the year that this film would be number one on your list and it would not move until the end of the year and it would be your number one film of 2022, 
I would have said, you're crazy. There's no way this would maybe even end up in my top 10, maybe the bottom half, but not in the top five, top three, my favorite. But nonetheless, Joseph Kaczynski, Tom Cruise, Christopher McQuarrie, the entire cast and crew of this film delivered truly one of the best movie-going experiences I have had in a long, long time in the theaters. And people have been saying this, and but it's true, and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to be alongside of it. Top Gun Maverick is a the clear example or one of the clear examples for why you go to the movies, why you go to the movie theaters and experience that kind of, of theatrical sensibility. Because even though if you watch this film on streaming or on TV, it's still enjoyable, but it's not the same as experiencing it on the big screen with surround sound. This truly, I believe, you. I think five, 10 years from now, we can put Top Gun Maverick as one of the films that is superior than its originals. And I think you could put up there with The Godfather Part 2s, The Empire Strikes Back, the whatever sequels that you want to put up there, The Lord of the Rings films, whatever you want to put on there in terms of superior films, this one is exactly like that. It just delivers in every single facet and is the story simple? Sure, it's a simple story. It's basically Pete Maverick Mitchell has to train a bunch of Top Gun recruits on a very highly covert mission. That's the basic premise of this movie, but it's within that simple storyline of what they're able to break down within this film. There's complex relationships between Rooster, who is played really, really well by Miles Teller, who's the son of Goose, who is the wingman of Maverick, and their relationship and and kind of the the the, the strain that that death has on those two guys. The relationship just for Maverick and what 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 Maverick has to go through is kind of this this dinosaur within this new generation of fighter pilots and and the new technology and that he's not he, is he not the ace that he once was and that kind of speaks to Tom Cruise a little bit as well as is he not maybe the movie star he once used to be and if anything this movie put to bed that he is still the top dog when it comes to movie stardom he is somebody who can draw people to the movies the film has incredible probably the best aerial dynamic action sequences that I have ever seen within within movies, period. The, the, the action sequences are just breathtaking. You're on the edge of your seat. It delivers a great emotional story. I thought the relationship between Tom Cruise and Jennifer Conley actually exceeded the iconic relationship in the first Top Gun, in, in the first Top Gun film. I thought this was a lot more layered and deep and interesting than that one. It, it just, when you look at the first Top Gun, it is very much an enjoyable age film and it's it's classic 80s but what this one was able to do was deepen every single one of the things that you thought you knew about the original film and somehow it worked on every single level it is riveting it is emotional it is action-packed I whenever I think about the film I just I just get excited and and I try to watch it whenever I can it is just such an enjoyable film it has a great song in there from Lady Gaga and hold my hand I just absolutely love this film and again it reminded me a little bit of 2019 when I made my top 10 where I had Avengers Endgame on there and I saw it in the in the end of April early May and I was like okay this probably is going to be my favorite film of the year but I'm happy for anything to exceed my expectations and top it 
and it didn't do that. And the same thing happened here where maybe Avatar could do it, maybe Black Panther, maybe something like The Fablemans or Triangle of Sadness could do it, and they just didn't. And nothing compared to what I experienced with Top Gun Maverick this year. And again, for me, it's always the barometer of if you can make me cry in a theater, you're, you, you've done a pretty good job. And this film had me in a ball of tears every single time that I went to go see it. I still get emotional watching it. The goosebumps always happen. The action sequences are still great. It truly was the cinema, the cinema mark of this year. And I think a turning point when it comes to theaters trying to rehabilitate themselves after the pandemic. This was kind of the launching point for that. Top Gun Maverick really, really showcased that. Again, as much as I love comic book films and they're a big staple of the movie theater going industry right now, you need a film like Top Gun Maverick. And it showcased that if you make a film like that, a crowd pleasing film that can impact people across the board, you can be successful. And that goes to what they're able to do in the re- in real life where actually these air- these aerial sequences were actually flown by the actors themselves and just Top Gun, uh, not Top Gun, but Tom Cruise knows what, he, what he's doing. He knows how to entertain an audience and this kind of reminds me a little bit to go into sports terms a bit. It reminds me of Tom Brady a little bit where you, you know, his first couple years Tom Brady was winning Super Bowls. He was a great champion. He was a great quarterback and then he was, he was still a great quarterback in the middle middle part of his career he was still going to the playoffs going to championships but he wasn't the top dog and then of course in his later the later part of his career he's winning Super Bowls again and Tom Cruise to me reminds me of that where again 80s 90s early 2000s he's one of the top dogs not the top dog in Hollywood people always go to his films and then late 2000s early 2010s He's in films, but some of them aren't doing so well. Is he still that kind of big movie star? And then he comes out with Mission Impossible films, and he comes out with Top Gun Maverick, and the slate that he has coming up moving forward with two Mission Impossible films, which I think are going to be really, really well helped by the momentum carried from Top Gun Maverick, are going to do even better than maybe expected. And then, of course, he's got the space film that he's doing. I think this is going to bring a lot of momentum back for Tom Cruise and his superstar status once again. But Again, overall, I think Top Gun Maverick was just a truly great theatrical experience and was truly the undisputed number one film for me of 2022. So to go over my top 10, again, number 10 was The Northman, number nine was Babylon, number eight was Everything Everywhere All at Once, number seven was The Fablemans, number six was The Menu, number five was Avatar The Way of Water, number four was Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, number three was Triangle of Sadness, number two was The Batman, and my number one film of 2022 was Top Gun Maverick. Maverick. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on here, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, make sure to check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, or turn on investment and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous, and if you want to check out Candy Treehouse, use the coupon 
code ambiguous. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. And if you want to check out my YouTube channel, make sure to follow me at The Sam Bissell Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this top 10 of 2022 from the podcast. The next episode that I'm going to have is going to be my most anticipated films of 2023, but that's not going to be until next week once we ring in the new year. So again, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the, the, the new year, New Year's Eve, and we'll see you guys in 2023. And until then, keep on screening.